Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. This is 133 and we're recording this on Wednesday, the 1st of April. This is not an April Fool, this is a real podcast uh, lasting a normal length of time, 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield and with me I have... Rafe Blanford. Hello, everybody. Yes, April the 1st. There had been uh, various jokes around. I think my favourite was uh, one from Microsoft about having MS-DOS mobile running on your phone, complete with the ASCII camera and the ability to run uh, Windows 3.1. Uh, closely mistaken, obviously, for the latest Windows 10 for phones build. Uh, but yes, that was a good one. And Google had the Pac-Man for Maps. So plenty of those updates and uh, jokes around. One other one that did uh, catch my attention, which I guess I can mention, despite the fact you'll all be listening to this on April the 2nd, <laughs> is the is the one from here, which was a kind of a pet wearable. But I particularly like the fact that it was uh, planned to have a purview mode in, in due course. Uh, so I'll, I'll make sure those are in the show notes if you haven't seen those already. But uh, yes, we're not really going to concentrate on that. We've got plenty of other things we want to talk about uh, and see what's going to be our first topic. I just wanted to just apologise to people for not doing an April Fool for uh, All About Windows Phone. But as many people will know, I have had a bereavement. and a f- It was a funeral yesterday. And going from a funeral to a big April Fool's fr- prank just felt like too much of a stretch. But um, I did want to mention, um, and you picked these out, um, some rather good special offers around at the moment. And the certainly in the UK for all our UK listeners. Um, you spotted the Lumia 830. This has been about £199. Um, I think this is actually SIM-free because it's via car phone warehouse. So a SIM-free Lumia 830 for £199 is a fantastic offer. I think people should rush out and get that one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we should say that these are all UK-specific, but you'll find similar deta- deals in other markets, and you just kind of have to keep your eye out. But I think this is more kind of the general principle that we've talked about before, the way that after kind of six months or so, you do start to see really good pricing on these phones. And in some ways, it's the optimum time to buy and certainly given that all these phones are upgradable to Windows 10, you know, they're, they're particularly good value. But just £200 for what the 830 delivers, which I think is, I mean, it got labelled as uh, kind of the premium mid-tier, which in some ways is a bit of a oxymoron or a misnomer. But I, I don't actually think it's that far off it. I mean, this feels like a phone that's only a little bit off the, the top end. I will say that having used it now for sort of four or five months and have it heavily loaded down, I do notice the odd performance uh, we'll call it an issue it's just the odd lag that when it's uh, resuming from some other action sometimes it can take just a little bit longer than something running the snapdragon 800 the 930 or the 1520 will but that's a very very uh, picky point and i'm really pushing the device when i'm doing things like that so yes i think this is absolutely fantastic value um, i guess we should also go right down to the other end of the scale in terms of the the deals as well steve Yes, the 435, which is the uh, fairly new device, um, £49 and pairs you go. And in actual fact, you, you, you plucked that into the sh- show notes, but I've actually seen it lower than that elsewhere. And I would expect the 435, um, I think I saw it at 39 and I would expect that even to go lower than that, maybe even sort of 34 99 in the UK, uh, and of course completely free on a very, very lowly contract. Uh, but the 435... I think £40 sounds about right. That's on, on, a, on a pay-as-you-go deal, um, Rafe. That means it's probably locked the network. So they're kind of expecting some payback from you over the next six months to a year to two years. The, the actual value of a 435 in the hand, I would estimate, having had one right here, is about 50 to £60. So I think 
39, 49, that sounds about the right sort of area. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just because it's a phone that really has just launched and has already got to that kind of £50 and indeed, as you're saying, lower price point. I think you're spot on, you know, give it six months and this will be down to £30, especially when you're doing it on a a pay-as-you-go upgrade, which is something we get in the UK where you kind of get a mini subsidy if you upgrade from an existing pay-as-you-go account. And as you say, they're going to claw back some of the money on top-up vouchers and things like that. But just the fact that Windows Phone has got to that price is quite frankly pretty amazing uh, for me especially as i say with a recently launched handset and of course i think the sort of person looking to buy that wouldn't necessarily be expecting the full smartphone experience and so the limitations that you do get with the 435 in terms of kind of the quality of the screen and the camera i don't think are big issues i think you'd be pleasantly surprised if you're if you, especially if you think a lot of those people might be coming up from a feature phone or from a very basic Android smartphone, which they may have got frustrated with because it's been so bogged down, you know, quite possibly running an older version of Android. I think Windows Phone will be a, a breath of fresh air. But there is uh, one more phone I wanted to highlight, which actually, to my mind, is probably the best deal of the bunch in terms of value for money versus functionality and design. And that's the 735, which, again, on pairs you go, but you won't have to look that far to find similar kind of SIM-free deals for £129. And that, that to me, again, is stonking value for something that's been on the market just about six months. Yeah, if you remember back back in oh, 2009, 2010, Symbian was Nokia's mainstay. And the Symbian phones were starting to get down with resistive touchscreens down into the sort of 70, 80 pound region on Pejigo in the UK. And we thought, well, this is the this is the bottom end of the smartphone market. Anything below that is a feature phone. Um, and then they kind of got down to about 50, 60. But we're seeing the Windows phones now coming down even lower, despite the fact that Windows phones have got capacitive touchscreens and, and higher specs. So it's really quite impressive, really, that smartphones have got down to the level where it's almost not worth bothering with a feature phone unless you live in somewhere in rural Africa or you really only have got £10 to spend. You might as well go for a smartphone and you get nine, well, 80% of the smartphone experience uh, for not that much money. And the 735 is almost a flagship in many ways. It is, and I think particularly if you, the one exception to that maybe is when you're concerned about battery life or something like that. Um, but otherwise, yes, go for the smartphone. I mean, the, the 735 sticks out for me because it feels a little bit more like there's been some design effort put into it. For those that haven't seen it, it kind of follows a very similar design language to the kind of the 920 and going back to the uh, N9 and the Lumia 800, that kind of curved size, all plastic one piece. Actually, you can take the back off. and it's uh, So it's a, a slight swizz in a way, but it certainly feels incredibly solid. And the camera is excellent for the, the price. I mean, it's certainly far better than the price would suggest. I mean, this is, you know, it, it's not a high-end camera phone by any means, but it's actually not that far away and it's also got a very good front facing camera it was one of the first of those phones to get the kind of the selfie camera the five megapixel with the wide angle lens and so to me for a lot of people it 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 feels like it's a bit of a sweet spot because i can understand people still not wanting to spend a couple of hundred quid on a smartphone but 129 that's easy to justify the screen's very good and as i say it's just that combination of decent hardware um, while still not costing the others. And so, uh, you know, the 735 is probably my pick of phones to recommend to someone. It's also uh, pretty light. And as I say, you know, it's going to be upgradable to Windows 10. Whereas the 830, I mean, I would have preferred to see uh, a slightly better processor in that, for example. And you look at the 735 and you go, you know, that's representing really, really great value for money. 
Um, so I just wanted to highlight some of those pricing. As I say, you'll see equivalent things in other markets. I think we are quite lucky in the UK. We do seem to be getting exceptional pricing. But uh, it does sort of remind me, as, as you were saying there, comparing back to a few years ago with the Symbian device and even the Android devices, just how much more capable they are. And I've been banging on about mid-tier phones for a while. But, you know, exactly the same pattern is now happening with the upper end of the lower end or the lower end of the mid-tier, depending on the way you <laughs> to look at it. But, um, you know, outstanding value at that kind of the hundred, just over the hundred pound price point. Um, and it, it says something that the recommendation has so quickly kind of started yeah. to shift and say down, down the market. Doesn't mean I don't want to see a high end device. And that's, you know, talk about that a bit later. And indeed, we've mentioned it a couple of other podcasts, but, uh, yeah, just something to uh, kick off our podcast with and um, looking at some of the deals and the pricing. Yeah. And just, just go back very quickly. You mentioned the camera in the 735 being pretty good. And I was, I was very impressed in my review. Do you see uh, all the all about Windows phone reviews, by the way? Cause I've reviewed both these devices fairly positively. And it, just to mention also that, at 129 for the 735 and 200 or 199 for the 830 both with very good cameras and the 830's camera really is astonishing for what you get with and ne- next gen OIS etc um, and then compare that we had the HTC One M9 in for review which is also, I would say the camera is roughly equivalent to the 830's in terms of uh, detail quality the 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 HTC One M9 doesn't have OIS, but it does have a high number of megapixels, and the two kind of cancel each other out. But you think that the One M9, not wishing to pick on that, because the Samsung Galaxy S6 is equally as guilty, uh, the One M9 is £570, Ray. From the S6, I think I've seen it quoted at over £600. And when you can get, if, if you basically want a smartphone with a really clear screen, a responsive interface, and a, a really quite good camera, that, that 830 and that 735, they're astonishing value at a quarter or a third, depending which device you go for, the prices of these high-end flagships. It's not just 20% off, 30% off. It's a third or a quarter. That's staggering. It, it, it is. And we you know, you see the same thing with the Sony Z4 when it comes out and all the other hands. And actually, there's a real danger that the kind of the high-end Windows phone device that everyone's been looking forward to kind of, kind of gets a bit left out in the sense that it'll have the same issue. It will be £500. And how much differentiation will there be? Uh, it's interesting i think actually windows phone has the most extreme example of this simply because there are maybe few of them and it's one company producing all the phones i mean there are other windows phone devices but in terms of the main main effort and the main interest for consumers whereas you look at the android world and actually the you know if if every mid-tier device was like the motorola g for example or the low-end ones were like the motorola e i think it would see something similar in android but actually the high-end android devices feel better value because there are so many poorer mid-tier devices that, that's a little bit unfair but it just feels like there is because it's easier to make that comparison just by looking across the microsoft portfolio of lumia devices it, the comparison feels so and I, I absolutely i agree with you it, it wasn't long ago that even kind of smartphone geeks or you know enthusiasts the people who listen to this podcast would go i, I have to have that high-end phone because there is a substantial difference and you know actually i still like having the high-end device because yes you like the design yes you like the materials but it, actually i don't find that the desire is there quite so much as there used to be uh, and having lived with the 830 as my main device for the last four months that's i mean amazing to me really 
Just before we move on to our, our regular programming rep, I wanted to mention something that you've been playing with a lot, and there's a, a success, kind of a, a lower price success has come along. Now, just this is not strictly Windows Phone, but it is Windows, and it is it will be Windows 10. I think this is very much relevant. So restricting you to perhaps two or three minutes, and knowing that people know you as a big fan of the Surface 3 Pro, I think it is, apparently they've just released a Surface 3, which may be a, a pretty good accompaniment to a Windows Phone. It, it is. I mean, the way to think about the the surface 3 is it's intended as kind of the successor to the surface 2 rt you know kind of the version that run the cut down version of windows with the arm processors now they've kind of scrapped that and they've gone for full windows and it's an intel chipset it's actually the new atom x7 processors but it's kind of a budget version of the surface pro which in all honesty is more like a laptop that happens to be a tablet whereas this surface 3 is is far more pure tablet um, the irony, of course, is the form factor is pretty much identical. There are a few differences. For example, the kickstand is just a couple of positions rather than being completely flexible. And obviously, there's a big difference in terms of the internal spec. It's uh, you know, not so capable in terms of processor RAM and internal memory. Um, but in some ways, this extends the Surface 3 line further down. And I would say it's broadly equivalent to kind of buying an iPad because, you know, you're still talking about a really nice device, high quality screen, high resolution. Uh, but it goes fanless, for example. So it's far more like the kind of the traditional tablet. And I suspect that'll be reflected in the way it's sold. You know, it'll be less of the idea that you might bundle it with a keyboard, although that does work absolutely fine. And you know, the pen is actually an optional accessory. It won't come with it. But as a consequence, of course, of all those cuts, the price comes down. So in the US, for example, I think it starts at $499, which coincidentally isn't that far off uh, the entry price for the iPad. And yet um, we're talking about kind of a 16 gig iPad versus uh, I think it's uh, 64 gigabytes um, or 32 gigabytes for the entry level service three. So actually it's, you know, going to be pretty competitive in that space aside, of course, from the iOS app difference. And I think that will be the thing that maybe holds it back. But for those looking for a, a, a Windows 10 device in that tablet space, it's going to be pretty tempting because the pricing is, is attractive. And especially if you're looking to use it as a Windows computer, but also want to have it in a tablet mode. Yeah, uh, well worth checking out. Uh, we may be talking about it a bit in a, a future podcast if I can get my, my hands on one. But really, this is of interest to listeners for the All About Windows phone podcast, because as you <laughs> say, it will run Windows 10. And this would be the sort of device that you might be able to justify a little bit more picking one of these up if you want to have the full kind of Windows experience across the continuum, if you've already got kind of a, a high-end desktop or maybe even a, a laptop and you want something that's kind of portable, go with you anywhere that does just a bit more than your phone. Um, and certainly my experience with the Surface 3 Pro, it's been uh, an outstanding device for me. Um, so I'm actually quite keen to see how this does is kind of the cut down version because for a lot of the tasks you do, you don't need the full oomph of a, a powerful uh, high end kind of Intel i3, i5 or i7 core uh, laptop. And so the, you know, an Atom processor should be perfectly sufficient for doing web browsing, you know, the basic office suite and things like that. Um, so a pretty, pretty compelling device. And I think Microsoft have managed to iron out a lot of the kinks and saying goodbye to Windows RT will certainly make a lot of people happy. Yeah. Okay. Moving on then, stuff that is directly to do with Windows Phone and phones. There was a story came out of Reuters about two or three weeks ago, Rafe. Um, they were actually talking to someone about uh, a, an AI project called Einstein, kind of a next generation um, personal assistant. Now we have Cortana on the current Windows phones and in Windows 10, of course. And there was mention in the story, and this is the really interesting point, and not to go right ahead to two or three years hence, but they mentioned that Cortana will be broken out as a, an application or a 
service that could actually be put onto iOS and Android. And the big, I guess, more of kind of a philosophical question really is, how does that affect the marketplace? Surely Cortana is a core part of the uniqueness of Windows Phone and Windows 10. Yes, I know Microsoft Office has been spun out and the and One OneNote and OneDrive and so forth. But those are generic services which you can obviously access from any platform. But just as Apple has Apple Siri is unique to the the iPhone and Google now, Google search is unique to Android. Surely Cortana should be left. I contend, I put it to the judge, Malud, um, that Cortana should be kept as a Windows phone, Windows 10 only exclusive. That Cortana is part of the identity of Windows, surely. Well, Barrister Steve, you make a good argument. (laughs) It's an interesting one. Does Microsoft go all or nothing on this kind of software and services everywhere approach? And, and, And Cortana certainly does feel like one of those things that needs to be quite heavily tied into the operating system for you to fully appreciate it and get the full advantage of it. But then you look at something like Google Now, which is making its way onto the iPhone, and actually you see Cortana in that context, and it maybe starts to make more sense to have it cross-platform. And of course, for all of these virtual assistants, you really only get the benefit where you run it across all of your devices, or at least that's where you get the most benefit. And so um, given that Windows has a relatively small share in mobile, if you're going to kind of unlock its full potential for people on the desktop in particular, you're going to kind of need to run Cortana or make it available on iOS and Android. So to me, this is a a way of unlocking the value for Cortana on Windows 10 when it's running on a PC or potentially a tablet. And does it does it damage the phone? Potentially, but uh, as I said sort of in a previous podcast, I don't actually think the number of people that switched and use Windows Phone just for Cortana is that significant. And certainly the number of people that might be attracted to try a Windows product having tried Cortana on Android or iOS, I would expect to be a much greater number. So it kind of uh, makes sense to me. But I do wonder at the wisdom of something that feels like it needs to be quite deeply integrated. And I think you can make the comparison with Google now on iPhone, you know, versus, versus Siri. And she partly there that Apple hasn't pushed Siri as far as I think some people thought they would. All of these assistants, actually, if you look at the numbers, don't have particularly high usage on the devices. Um, Cortana does pretty well, I think, because it's so, you know, deeply integrated and it's on the search button by default for uh, Windows Phone 8.1. So it's an interesting question. I don't think there's any answer to it. You're probably guessing from what I'm saying, I would generally be in favour of making it as widely available as possible, because really I'd like to be able to address Cortana and have it collect information about me on whatever device I happen to be using so that it's smarter on all devices and for, you know, personal assistance in particular i always see mobile as kind of the listening channel you can learn more about someone there than anyone else partly because you know typically they will install more apps it tends to be their truly personal device you know you're quite often willing to share a laptop with someone or that you know it's a shared computer at work or in the family home but most people are fairly reluctant to hand over their mobile phone and it's it's very much a very personal device um that's maybe not true if you get into some markets where I'm told the average actually of uh, phones per user is actually 1.37 worldwide. And that's because uh, in some Asian markets, it's more common to share and certainly in, in Africa, uh, but certainly in the Western markets that we focus on. Um, that's a very personal device. And so the idea that you can learn from mobile more, I think is perhaps why they're putting Cortana onto iOS and Android. And it's not just, you know, the data and the things that you do with the phone. Of course, it's also the sensors on there in terms of microphone and location. 
So, you know, for example, if you're Cortana on Windows 10 and you don't have the location part for mobile, it's going to be harder to know where someone's workplace is, where home is, the places that they go to regularly. And so making recommendations about when they might set off or things they might be interested in will be harder. And so I see this putting it onto iOS and Android as being about using mobile as the learning channel more than anything else to make it smarter on the desktop. My learned friend makes a very good point. I think we should now send the jury out to consider their verdict. <laughs> and leave it in the comment threads to let us know, or email us, or tweet us. <laughs> now, I have been having a bit of a Lumia 930 month rate. You probably gathered. I did two big head-to-heads, one against the iPhone 6, and one against the HTC One M9, which has been in in the last 24 hours or so. Um, both of them kind of build in a bit of experience, a bit of specifications, a few a few tests, a few opinions, and also using my my patented technique of picking out picking out wins in different categories and just having a, a rough guess as to which one is kind of comes out on top overall. Uh, people will probably criticize me that the uh, 930 came out just on top of the Apple iPhone 6, but I think it's fair to say that uh, the iPhone wins on applications and support, but the 930 generally outguns the, the iPhone. When you actually look at the 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 camera and the speaker and the uh, certainly the value of a proposition. I mean, the the the, the iPhone six and indeed the one M nine they're sort of in the five hundred six hundred plus uh, region. Whereas the nine thirty you can now get for under three hundred pounds in free, which is just amazing value. So that's obviously a, a win. Um, the the one M nine is perhaps the one we should talk about because that's the most recent of the two features. Uh, Rafe, it went up on the site today as we record this on the Wednesday evening, and uh, I, I particularly wanted to chat to you about this one because I know that you've been involved with HD see quite a bit over the last few years and of course you've used each of these HTC One devices so you've got a pretty good working knowledge of how they stack up so how would you rate my overall verdict of the Lumia 930 it's the One M9 where I actually gave them six points each and each and a draw yeah I, I think that's actually a perfectly reasonable argument to come from looking at the categories that you went through um, the camera one's a very interesting one because I think the uh, each has its own strengths and they reflect kind of different imaging philosophies I think because I'm so familiar with the way that uh, Nokia and now Microsoft do things I probably would give it the nod but I would acknowledge that uh, what HTC have done and particularly the step up from the M8 is, is worth commenting <laughs> on and worth giving them a bit of praise for despite the fact I've said time and time again actually I really like the idea of the ultra pixel and it's a real shame in one sense they weren't able to kind of take that on with the M9. I suspect we might well see a return to that in time. You know, uh, it's interesting talking about the M9 more generally. I think the camera is one of the areas where it's been criticised. I think uh, perhaps a little bit unjustly. I quite like what they've done. And um, certainly on the software side of things, I think they've done a, a really interesting job in terms of making it fun and easy to use. And I've talked about Zoe before. They've now got kind of downloadable elements in there their camera saw as well, including, for example, the ability to put on a raw mode. So lots of uh, interesting stuff there. But then you look at some of the other things and you go, yeah, actually it kind of, it balances out. And, you know, the Cortana uh, Google voice thing is going to be a bit subjective. Um, the, the battery life things, uh, I, you know, you've only been able to give the 930 the nodge because of the Qi wireless charging. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you look at things like the design, for example, and I would probably, you know, I would definitely give the nod to the M9 because I think it's, uh, it, it just feels a bit more up to date. I like what they've done with it. Um, it feels like a really premium design. You know, it, it feels like a device that's worth paying £550 for, and that's reflected in the materials and the dual anodization. Um, and, and so, you know, the conclusion you came to, you know, with them being roughly equal, I think, yeah, I would have probably scored it in a very similar way. Of course, the thing with 
uh, all of these comparisons is they assume equal weight on every characteristic. And I think uh, anyone who uses a phone will tell you that some things are going to be more <laughs> important than to others. And actually, yeah. uh, this applies to the iPhone as well. I think a lot of people would say, I don't want the Lumia device because it's got Windows Phone. I mean, sure, there'll be some people who say, I want it because it's got Windows Phone. But I think, uh, you know, in a realistic discussion of this, you have to talk about the ecosystems and that it's probably still the biggest factor weighing what phone people buy. And so, you know, I think a lot of people will choose the M9 because it's running Android over the 930, because it's running Windows Phone. Um, the thing that strikes me is having had a look at a couple of the high-end devices, the M9 is right up there. And what I particularly like about it, from a purely personal opinion, is it's sort of understated compared to a lot of the Android flagships. It doesn't sort of shout in your face about the latest and greatest specs. The design is sort of, it just feels a little bit subtler than the things that Sony and Samsung have done. Very personal um, opinion. Uh, I also like what they've done with Sensor. They've made some there's a, a new widget, for example, on the M9 that is sort of adaptive depending on where you are. It'll show up on different apps. You do need to use it for a week or two before you kind of appreciate it. And those who like kind of their apps in the same place all the time and muscle memory will sort of be a bit horrified by it. But it just feels like a bit more thought and effort has gone into Sense than some of the other kind of Android skins. It's certainly much closer, I think, to the, the pure Google experience than something like TouchWiz and certainly uh, what Sony tend to do to their Android phones. But again, there is a personal subjectiveness to that. Um, uh, you know, turning the conversation back to you, Steve, is there things about the uh, 930 or indeed the M9 that sort of give you cause to say, actually, I like it because of that? Or were you finding them very close together? If I'm absolutely brutally honest, I'd love to have the the guts, some of the guts of the uh, 930 in the case of the M9. You're absolutely right that the the M9, this aluminium unibody, they've 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 developed this style. Um, it just it feels like a quality tool, something that will last you for years. And I know I joke about the 930 being used as an offensive weapon because it's so hard and heavy. Um, to be honest, I mean you can probably do the same damage with an M9, but the M9 is a much more stylish way to kill someone than a 930. Um, the, 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 M, the M9 really is a, a very classy device indeed. The reason I never give a win in the um, design and materials section of my comparisons is because, as you say, they are incredibly subjective. Some people will pick up the M9 and think, "Oh no, it's all metal." And and it's curved. I much prefer the square edges of the 930 or vice versa. It really is a very much a personal call. And indeed, most of my comparisons, virtually every row in those tables could be considered subjective because it's biased around my own likes, dislikes, what I expect from a phone. Some people, for example, would put the, the operating system and the applications right up top, massively prioritized because that's what's important to them. I tend to look at all of these devices, uh, almost as commodities really, in the terms of software, and that they all run basically the same applications, the same services. And I just want a set of different um, qualities of hardware and components to get me to those those software and services. And just to mention one more thing, is to, you mentioned the p other p reviewers had found uh, problems with the, the camera on the, the M9. And the reason I've actually put it in the comparison is uh, I, I, I marked 930 up over the M9 because the 930's camera really is rather special. But the M9's camera isn't that far behind, and there is a follow-up imaging feature coming. Just to mention that all these other reviewers around the web 
I'd love to say that um, we, we wait at All About Windows Phone for there to be stable, reliable firmware with all the problems fixed, and then we do our review, as it t- turns out, which is by sheer chance it was updated with a firmware update a few days ago, and we happen to have come in after all the problems have been fixed. But it's been rather fortuitous, Rafe, and the, hopefully the imaging feature, which will be going up in the next couple of days, comparing the 930 against the M9, also perhaps against the 1020 as well. Hopefully that will be the more or less final firmware from the M9, and we can really get an idea for where HTC's latest flagship is, comparison uh, compared to these Lumia uh, camera phone flagships. It is, and that's actually a good lesson for when you're reading reviews for phones that have just come out. It's not unusual to see updates appear, and we've seen uh, in the history of uh, Lumia devices you know, software updates that make a massive difference, and it can be both positive and negative to the yeah. imaging performance and experience, and you know the same thing will happen to these HTC devices. And I would actually contend there's, they're getting so good at the high end, actually it's getting increasingly difficult to pick out the differences, and it will depend on the set of uh, tests you run. So I, I actually think the M9 was perhaps a bit unfairly uh, played. I think actually something similar is happening to the S6 right now uh, with regard to, to battery life. I do want to pick out um, one other thing I really like about the M9, and that is the audio quality, particularly from the boom sound speakers. It's something that other manufacturers sort of have only ever addressed half-heartedly. And depending on whether you use that or not, and I think, uh, Steve, you're in this category of using uh, podcast on a loudspeaker, that can be a really important factor. They've also done a a fantastic job making it very easy to connect to uh, wireless speakers using HTC Connect. You just do a three-finger swipe, and um, it's sort of similar to the way things work for Miracast or uh, UPnP. But I just think uh, it's one of the things that HTC have put on top of Android, and they've just done it really well. So they deserve more credit than they get for that. And honestly, using using the M9, it, it, it is the design that stands out more than anything else for me. And the feel in the hand is really very high quality. And being quite distinctively uh, HTC, you know, there is a DNA in that design. And, you know, they are in a relatively select bunch of manufacturers who can really claim that about their devices. So, yeah, as you said, you know, having some of the guts or uh, honestly a, a Windows Phone version of the M9 would be absolutely fantastic to see. We kind of saw a very limited release of the uh, HTC M8 for Windows. I would love to see a global release of the M9 for Windows, you know, widely available because I think it would make a, a really good flagship for Windows Phone. Don't have any information on that. We'll have to see what HTC decides to do. I suspect it will be dependent on operators on and on Microsoft. Um, from a, a hardware point of view, it's certainly possible in terms of the compatibility of the chipsets and all the internal bits and pieces like that. Um, just guess we'll have to uh, wait and see. But I, I do want to talk about, you know, these kind of devices more in the future because I think it's a decision that people will sometimes be making. Um, and given what we said about the mid-tier devices, what I will say is I think the design becomes more important at the high end and the, the sense of magic materials, if you like, because that ends up what you're paying for, because that's how it differentiates from a, a mid-tier device. Whether it's worth doing that is a, an open debate and actually becomes, I guess, as much about fashion and about, you know, the aspirational thing and, you know, how you express yourself. And, you know, the, very similar to the iPhone in, in that sense, in that, you know, actually, stop talking about features and specifications for the iPhone. It's, you know, the experience and the design, how it feels in your hand. And, um, thing I'd say about the HTC, you know, ignoring the ecosystem thing, which, you know, is a, <laughs> a big, big statement in itself. There are only a handful of devices that I think have really top notch, uh, design. The iPhone is one of them, but that's very common. There's a lot of them out there. If you see something a bit different, I think, you know, the uh, M9 is a really good shout, just as, you know, the 
the plastics that Nokia and Microsoft has used in its Lumia range are quite distinctive. I think the uh, HTC can take that same claw. And so a very good choice is a, a high-end device. And uh, I still expect Samsung to kind of put their marketing weight behind the S6 and it become kind of the standard high-end flagship. But uh, HTC have done a, a good job this time around. And they fixed the battery, they fixed the camera, and they fixed a few design tweaks. It's not quite so slippery in the hand as the M8. So uh, yeah, you can probably tell I'm quite a fan of the device and having heard quite a bit of the backstory behind the design, some which been been sharing here, uh, it's, it's definitely an impressive device. That said, of course, the S6 is a big, big step up as well. I saw that at MWC and, uh, you know, that's a night and day difference in terms of design. And I just think Samsung still have a little bit of time to go to get it, you know, that same level of you know, polish but that they actually were really canny this time around. The S6 Edge got all the attention and it's, it is amazing. I mean, as a cool piece of technology, it's great. Do uh, curved screens on the side make a lot of sense? Probably not, if I'm honest. And if they just come out with a plain S6, yeah, been a step forward, much better design. But I think people probably wouldn't have been talking about it quite so favorably as they had. So, uh, but I know we're going to hope to get an S6 in at some point, and Steve will be able to give the uh, his pearls of wisdom on that when the time comes. Yeah, if you really want a phone that's distinctive out and about, what you need is Rafe. A Lumia 1020 with that big black circle on the back. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say the Yota phone with the uh, e-ink screen on the back because I've seen quite a few of those out in the in the wild, actually. It's obviously uh, probably yeah. the circles I run in. And that's another very distinctive device. Um, I guess it depends what you want from your phone. I'm finding increasingly, actually, the hardware is less the point. Once it gets good enough imaging and good enough screen, I care yeah. far more about reliability and uh, kind of battery life and sort of everyday experience and being in the uh, Windows ecosystem. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I really enjoy that. Uh, that said, you know, I am running a, an Android and an iOS device, partly for work reasons. Um, and I do find myself choosing services that I know work well across all of them. Uh, a little shout out for OneDrive for that particular reason. Yeah, yeah. And uh, while well, you mentioned the uh, Samsung S6 there, just to mention the S6 is also incredibly, insanely expensive. And for for a, an S6 64 gigabyte, you could actually buy four Lumia 830s, each <laughs> equipped with the appropriate memory card um, for the exact same money. So you could either have four 830s, which run very, very well, or one S6. And that sort of, those sort of economics make absolutely no sense. And you, the, yeah, surely the S6 has got to come down. And uh, you're absolutely right. You discussed this, something on a recent 361 Degrees podcast, or... 90% of the action in the phone world is going to be in the, the, this middle tier, um, the area which has been uh, has been almost ignored really a couple of years back, but now it's really coming to the fore. The phones that from about £100 up to about £200, that magic rate range where you get a good enough smartphone that you can absolutely, even if you're a power user, you can think, this is not bad, and yet it's not costing the earth, uh, and you don't have to explain yourself to your wife every time. Yeah, well, and actually, the interesting comparison that I'd make is a phone geek, because we, we all, I think a lot of us buy the phones because we enjoy them as uh, something to play with and an uh, you know, accessory in it. Well, I, I guess I shouldn't reveal the extent of my sadness too much, but <laughs> the, the way I think about it is actually I can get three or even four mid-tier phones for the price of one high-end device, and you know that gives me a bit more variety. I can have a Windows phone device and a very decent Android device and run them both and enjoy using them both. Of course, the uh, iPhone does tend to 
you know, put a bit of uh, a, a, a cork, uh, as I'll try and get, get out what I'm trying to say. You can't really get a cheap iPhone. There is no mid-tier iPhone. I do wonder whether, you know, I think it's a matter of time because I don't think the economics of this mid-tier really been fully appreciated yet or really kicked in, particularly in markets where there's still operator subsidies. But there is going to be more realisation of this. And I actually think it might end up putting pressure on those high-end devices where you know they'll start selling in fewer numbers, not because we're reaching smartphone saturation point, although that doesn't help in, in some markets, but, but simply because people are going, well, actually, it's a, a value proposition thing and I, I'm better off with this mid-tier device. And if, you know, someone like Steve and I can be perfectly happy using the Lumia 830 or something like the Motorola G on in the in the Android world. There's going to be a lot more people out there who will take exactly the same view uh, in a bit of time. And you know, does that put price pressure on Apple? Probably not, because I think the iPhone is still differentiated enough. But it, it, it does make you wonder about what happens to high-end Android um, over the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll come back to this topic, Rafe, and I've got all sorts of rants I could go off on, but we haven't got time. Just very quickly, before we finish this podcast, I'd like to just bring in a few application recommendations, and I'm going to just point people towards a roundup I did at the tail end of last week, which uh, didn't really get much attention from, from uh, readers on the site, but I'd like to promote it anyway. And I updated, in a fairly big way, my roundup of Twitter clients, partly because uh, we had a new entry, Aries, which I've, uh, I interviewed the developer recently for the site, also because people have pointed out various features that I hadn't uh, actually looked at yet and I've still got more features I'd like to add in a further roundup uh, updates in a couple of months time um, surprisingly despite my love of Aries and the wonderful uh, graphical live tiles it puts up I have found these a tiny bit unreliable and the developers gone back to work on it. In the meantime, I kind of ended up, I looked, weighed up all the pros and cons and looked through my table and I came down on the side of Tweetium. I know you have to pay if you want extra, if you want to have multiple Twitter accounts, but let's face it, most of us only have the one Twitter account, in which case it's, what is it, a couple of pounds. And Tweetium is just so reliable. Um, it's got just about every feature. The live tile works absolutely perfectly. Uh, and it, and you can basically customize the look and feel of it in terms of colors and fonts and sizes of panes. Everything can be customized with an inch of its life. And uh, there's a side bonus, Ray, for people who own a Surface Pro 3 um, or Surface 3 Pro. You can uh, you buy it once on Windows Phone. You also get to use it on the uh, Windows desktop as well. Which is exactly what I've done. Ah. So uh, it's one of the benefits of universal apps that you sometimes see marked in the store. And actually, it's, it's not a minor consideration because if you're moving between devices a lot of the time, having a familiar app is a great thing. And it's even better if you sort of only uh, are paying for it once. And I'm even willing to pay a bit of a premium. You know, if I can see an app that's available on Windows and also has the Windows 8 version, actually, it, it does make me more likely to buy it, if I'm honest. And uh, mm. talking of uh, app recommendations, I think it's one that will be familiar to a lot of people on Android and iPhone phone but trivia crack has arrived on uh, windows phone if you're looking to kind of uh, it's a quiz application which you play socially with friends and there's you know various dimensions to it in terms of different categories and the way it works and rating questions up and down but if you're just looking to have a kind of a family round robin trivial pursuits type game uh, it's well worth a look it's been nicely implemented so i think that'll be my app pick of the week although it does take second place behind uh, ms dos uh, for mobile which is a very nice app and so on obviously put a lot of thought and effort into that and i particularly enjoyed uh, tom messett in the uh, launch video for that who's one of uh, microsoft's marketing folks but uh, the, the, the way he'd driven the product and obviously got the essentials i think he was perhaps uh, channeling a few other people in the mobile industry so well worth a look and i'll make sure that's in the show notes as well 
I was going to finish the podcast on a and on that bombshell joke along with a Ger- Jeremy Clarkson gag, but I already did that on Phone Show Chat last Sunday, so I can't reuse it. So I'll just say goodbye and uh, I thank you very much for listening. We will try to be back here next week and, and over to Rafe to say goodbye as well. Yeah, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Feedback through the usual channels and we always enjoy you as an audience. Thank you very much for listening.